This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanc St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Okay, good Friday. Can you smell the waft of the hot cross buns? <laughs> smell good, don't they, hey? We'll have those later. But good Friday, I want to just speak a shorter message this morning. And I've entitled it, It's Never About the Failure, But It's Always About the Finish. If there's one thing that we'll all have in common as we're sat here this morning, it will be that at some point in our lives, at some time, we will have failed at something. I think. (laughs) I'm guessing that we'll have that in common. And there's two types of failure, isn't there, really? There's the failure of, of trying to do something, perhaps, in life, but not quite succeeding. So, like the time that I failed the 11 plus, or the time that I failed my driving test twice, they say it makes better drivers. Yeah, it does, it does. The time that um, I failed my job interview and I didn't get the job, the time that I failed to make it into the island school athletic squad, the time when I failed to make it into choir at the age of seven and I was told I wasn't good enough, the time I failed my organ exam. Yeah, I'm going to stop there before I go and spiral into the depths of despair. But you get what I'm talking about. There's that type of failure in life, and I'm sure many of us have failed at different things. But it's part of life, and we're told that actually those failures make us better and stronger, don't they? Apparently. I don't know. (laughs) But they do. And if we want to get somewhere in life, then we've got to fail to find success. It spurs us on. I don't really want to talk about that type of failure this morning, I want to talk about a different type of failure. A failure, actually, that perhaps makes us feel worse than that. A failure that actually makes us feel, at times, guilty. A failure that makes us feel ashamed. It's a, it's a failure that perhaps eats away at our well-being, our self-worth. It's failure of a moral kind. It's that type of failure. When we make mistakes and we hurt other people, perhaps, or we hurt ourselves, when the sin talked about in Hebrews 12 so easily entangles us. The moral failure. The times when we just mess up. The times when we do things wrong. Perhaps we say something wrong and we wish we didn't, hadn't said that thing but we've said it and it wasn't the right thing to say but we've said something wrong. Or we've thought something wrong and our thoughts haven't been what they should be. They've been impure. They've been negative. They haven't been right. Or we've done the wrong thing. And we've behaved in a way that actually is contrary to the love and to the grace and to the forgiveness and the mercy that we're supposed to show and the path we're supposed to be on. And it's that type of failure that at times can really weigh us down. It's that failure that can burden us and take us into a place we don't want to be. And of course it does have consequences. But today is Good Friday. And although it does commemorate the death of our Lord Jesus, It is Good Friday. It's good because actually what it shows us is that it's never about our failures, but it's always about the finish. Let us go a little further with this idea. There are two two people in the Bible that failed pretty spectacularly. Now, there's many people that failed in the Bible, which is why it's so fantastic, isn't it? But there's two that I want to have a quick look at this morning, and both failed in in pretty much similar ways. They both let Jesus, their Lord and their Master, down. They both turned their back on Jesus. They both denied Jesus. They betrayed him. And it wasn't just a couple of people on the outskirts of Jesus' followers. These two people were in the inner circle. They were his closest disciples. And both of them, in this holy week, at this point on the Good Friday, let Jesus down. I'm talking about Judas and Peter, you've probably guessed. But they both make a catastrophic mistake. But they both feel the guilt. 
They both feel the pain. They both feel the shame of what they've done. So let's have a quick little look. In Matthew, if you've got your Bibles, chapter 26. I'm going to take a little account first of Judas. I'm just going to jump around chapter 26 to show you what he did. So Judas, first of all, Matthew 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. That's what he did in the first instance. He made that deal. Then we have the picture of the Passover meal in verse 20. It says, When it was evening, Jesus reclined at the, reclining at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. So we've got the picture now of Judas at the Passover with Jesus breaking the bread and, and having the cup and, and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And then we've got the arrest later on in verse 47 in the Garden of Gethsemane. While he, Jesus, was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve. And the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. So we have the picture there of Judas betraying Jesus and denying Jesus and turning his back on Jesus, really. But then in Matthew 27, we see a different Judas. Then when Judas, his betrayer, in verse 3, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. What a sad end for Judas, who had made a mistake, who had betrayed his Lord. And he couldn't carry that weight of the guilt of the sin that he had committed. And he departs and he goes and ends his life. And that's the account we have of Judas. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's have a look at Peter. Back in Matthew 26, I'm jumping around here, but in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter was so convinced of his loyalty to Jesus. He wouldn't deny Jesus. He wouldn't do that. And yet moments later, we read in verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I always have something in my heart about Peter. You know, there he was, being so confident and so full of, Jesus, I'm with you, I won't deny you, I'm for you, even if everybody else goes, I'm going to stick with you. And then how he must have felt when he heard the rooster crow. 
and he remembered what Jesus had said and he had stood there and denied his Lord three times. The, the, the sorrow, the pain he must have felt when he goes out and he weeps so bitterly. We find ourselves sometimes in a similar situation to Peter and to Judas. Both of these men failed Jesus. But I wonder why it is that when we think about these two disciples, that actually we think more positively about Peter perhaps than we do Judas. I think that's the case. The betrayal, the denial was basically the same. I mean, both, both, it was different, but both had turned their backs on Jesus. And we know that if Judas hadn't done what he had done, Jesus was still going to the cross. He was still to be crucified. But I think the answer, perhaps, of why we see Peter and we think of him maybe a little bit more positively than Judas is because of what happened after they failed, about the events that took place after the failure. For Judas, it was the end. For Judas, he'd failed, he'd made a mistake, and the guilt that he felt was way too much. That burden that he was carrying of sin and shame was too much for him. And he went and he ended his life. He couldn't bear it. But Peter, on the other hand, although feeling the exact same remorse, he was weeping bitterly, he must have felt so dreadful and over the next couple of days must have been carrying this around with him about what he had done and not been able to speak to Jesus about it. But he carried on. He went back to work. And what's so beautiful is in the account of Luke, and I'm not going to read it, but in Luke's Gospel in chapter 21, not only did Peter carry on with his job, but we see this account here that when Jesus appears, once he's been raised and resurrected, Jesus appears to the disciples, doesn't he, when they're out fishing. And he's on the edge of the seashore. And Peter looks out and he recognises Jesus. He sees Jesus. And Peter is the one that is so excited by it that he jumps out of the boat. Reckless Peter, jumping out of the boat. Get me to the shore. Get me to Jesus. I want to go and see him. And so, and so Peter is so delighted that he sees Jesus that he just goes and he throws himself in the water and embraces his master. And this account here is that beautiful, loving reinstatement of Peter as Jesus sits with him and talks with him and shows just the amazing grace and mercy and love that he had for Peter and he commissions Peter again doesn't he to go and be the rock of the church basically and I think we remember Peter for this for this kind of reinstatement for this recommissioning for the rock of the church for this wonderful love exchange between Jesus and Peter as they sit on the shore and they're frying the fish and you know they're eating together Two accounts of failure. Two accounts of letting Jesus down in some way. Two of the same reactions. Both felt the pain of what they did. Both felt guilty. Both felt remorse. But two completely different endings. One of them turns away from Jesus. One of them ends it. And one of them turns to Jesus and embraces Jesus. And I wonder, when I look at these two accounts that happened at the same time, at this Good Friday moment, in this Holy Week, I wonder who we're going to be like. Because we mess up, and we fail, and we find ourselves like Peter, like Judas. And we can decide whether we're going to be more Judas-like or more Peter-like. It's never about the failure but it's always about the finish. And failure for us, making mistakes, messing up, turning our back on Jesus, because that's what sin is, isn't it? When we sin or we do something wrong, it's, it's like we're just turning our back on the way that we should be. But we all do it, but this day, this Good Friday, the cross shows that it doesn't have to be the end for us. It doesn't have to be the end we're forgiven. Jesus went to the cross so that our guilt and our shame and the pain and the remorse we feel can be removed from our life. It's that wonderful, wonderful 
divine exchange that happens. And we don't have to carry the guilt and the shame. There's forgiveness, there's grace, there's mercy in the very blood flow of Jesus. We don't have to let failure or our mistakes determine who we are, what we become and what we go on to do. Look at Peter. Look at what happened to him. He was reinstated and recommissioned. I always wonder, I always wish that Judas had just hung on and just waited for the, for the resurrection. They didn't get it, did they, the disciples, that Jesus was going to be raised again. Although Jesus was constantly telling them, they, just, they didn't get it. And I wonder what it would have been like for Judas to meet Jesus and to be forgiven and to find that grace just like Peter did. To have that embrace of the Saviour. And so we're going to come around the communion table now and I want us to be mindful of these two characters. And for us to think today, what are we going to be like? Are we going to be more Judas-like and take our failures and take our mess-ups and just carry them around with us and let them determine who we are? Are we going to be Peter? And actually, yes, okay, Lord, I've messed up, but I'm repenting today and I need your forgiveness, but I'm going to throw myself in the water and get to you because I want to embrace you. I want to embrace your forgiveness. I want to embrace your love. I want to embrace your grace and I want to embrace your mercy because that is what Good Friday is about. That we have that amazing, amazing uh, freedom to come before God. We have access to the very throne room because we are covered in the blood of Jesus. We have the robes of righteousness upon us. So what we do and what we've done doesn't define us, but we're forgiven. Let our story be one that ends with the embrace of Jesus and not our failure. Not our failure. So as we come to communion, we're going to do it slightly differently and we're going to come up, I'm just going to ask you when you're ready to come up and take communion. I'm going to play a little bit of music in the background, but I want to read this to you first because, like I said, the Bible is full of people who did stuff wrong, messed up, failed. King David was one of those people in the Old Testament and uh, he wrote this beautiful psalm, Psalm 51. And I read this at the beginning of our 40 days um, in our first prayer meeting as a time of repentance, as a time of forgiveness. And I'm going to read it again and I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. So you might just want to close your eyes and listen. And then once I've read this, we'll come around the communion table. Generous in love, God give grace. Huge in mercy, Wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt and soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one that I violated and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since before I was born, what you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then and conceive a new true life. Soak me in your laundry and I'll come out clean. Scrub me and I'll have a snow-white life. Tune me in to foot-tapping songs. Set these once-broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from grey exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your way so the lost can find their way home. Commute my death sentence, God, my salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God, I'll let loose with your praise. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. Father God, I thank you that today we come to the cross
with thankful hearts. We can celebrate the cross because of what it means for us. Lord, we've failed, we've done stuff wrong, we've messed up, we've got things we're not proud of. But Lord, I thank you that you forgive us and you remove our sins as far as the east is from the west and you forget them. And I thank you for that. I thank you that we can walk out today heads held high because we're children of the living God and we're clothed in your robes of righteousness and we're loved by you and we're forgiven and we're free. And I pray no guilt, no shame, no lie of the enemy would attach itself to us any longer. Lord, we want to be like Peter. And today we come around your cross to say we're sorry, to receive your forgiveness, to be reinstated and recommissioned again for you. Lord, I pray that we'll have a confidence in your blood and in your body that was shed. We thank you, Lord. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said to each and every one of us here, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup. And as he lifted the cup, he said to each and every one of us, this is a new covenant. No longer are we under the law. This is a new covenant that I am making with you. You are forgiven. You are free. You are changed by my grace. Thank you, Lord. As we just listen to an old classic song, I just invite you to come up and take communion. There will be communion served to those of you who would rather sit. But come up, take communion in your own time. And please, as you do, take one of these. I've brought everybody in a little eraser. You know, it's all given this church. As a little symbol. And on it, it says this. I am he who blots out your transgressions and remembers your sins no more. It's from Isaiah 43. And maybe we can take this away with us, put it somewhere, put it on a shelf, put it next to our bed, I don't know. But just remember that we're forgiven and we're free. And that any time the enemy would try and tell us otherwise, we'll just say no. God, you've blotted out all of my transgressions and you remember my sins no more. Amen. You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church. Right. Can you sit in front of the table for me? Can you do that? Brilliant. Can you guys sort of see what's going on here? Sort of? Good stuff. Come on. Did you roll? That's amazing. I think we should do more rolling in church. That sounds good. Right, that's for later. Right, sit yourself down, okay? So that everybody can see. Brilliant. Yeah. The biggest kids here. Sit. <laughs> Okay, so I've got a little character here. Can you see this little character? Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay. We're going to... There you go. Look. We're going to call him Bob. Okay? Bob. Now... Hey? Okay, that's it. So, Bob is just going about his normal everyday life, okay? A little bit like Bob the Builder. And he's got a heart hat on. A little bit like us. Okay? Now, I'm going to put Bob in here because this is like his life. This is where he spends his days in the bowl. Um, and he's just going about his everyday life. But Bob is a little bit like us. Leave him in the box, will you? Okay. And, um... No, 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 don't put him in there, not yet. You can put him in later, okay? All right. So there's Bob. Now, what happens with Bob is that... I'm going to hold on to him. <laughs> Keeps getting picked up and put in other places. Poor Bob. Yeah, right. He's just going about his normal life. But sometimes, Bob, like me and you, maybe, does a few little things wrong. Okay, he's just walking my leg. Okay. So he does a few things wrong. Now, every time he does something wrong, okay, um, I am going to leave Bob in there. And you've got to pretend that these sort of things that I'm going to pour in are a little bit like the, stu- the stuff he does wrong. So this is the first thing he does wrong. 
it's yogurt. But I want you to imagine, this is like things he says that are wrong, maybe mean things, or maybe he sometimes tells lies. And then what happens is... It is a bit disgusting, isn't it? He ends up a little bit messy, okay, because he's done a f- he, he said a few things and it's not very nice what he said. Sometimes we say things that aren't nice, are they? So it's a bit messy. Right. And, um, and sometimes what happens is Bob gets really angry, okay, and he gets a little bit cross. And when he gets a bit angry and a bit cross, it's not very nice, okay? Sometimes he gets... Sometimes he gets, yeah, it's a bit yucky when he gets a bit cross. He gets cross with his family and his friends, and, and he gets a little bit. Yes, he's a bit yucky, like that, okay? And then, no, he's looking, it's smelling nice. Um, he's looking a little bit dodgy in there, isn't he? He does need a shower. Okay, so he said some stuff wrong, he's been a bit angry. Sometimes Bob gets a little bit, a little bit jealous of things. They are, but I don't think you're going to want to eat them in a moment, okay? But this is when he gets a little bit jealous of things and he wishes he could be someone else or wants other things, okay? No, we can't see his face. No, his face is gone, isn't it? Yeah. Right, okay, and also, sometimes what happens with Bob is he gets a little bit greedy. Sometimes he gets a bit greedy. And this is, you've got to imagine, a little bit like, okay. (laughs) That's when he gets a little bit greedy in life, okay. He's really stinky. He does, he smells. Because he's done so much wrong stuff, he's starting to smell a little bit. Okay. And then sometimes, okay, he, um, this isn't so messy, he gets... Yeah, you don't want to read this one though. Not in a moment, anyway. Do you love spaghetti and pasta? Yeah, I like spaghetti. I like spaghetti pasta and noodles. And noodles. I love pasta. I love pasta and tomatoes. Oh, yes. I don't like tomatoes. No, you don't like tomatoes Oh, I like pizza. Right. Okay, so you've got to imagine, this is like, this is when sometimes Bob, his attitude isn't very good. He has a bit of a negative attitude. Yay! 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 Whoa, we can't see anything. Can't see him at all now, can we? No, What's going on? No, 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 no. looks a bit like pasta bake. Yeah, <laughs> pasta bake. <laughs> just pasta. <laughs> right, okay, leave there. It's now then. Like pasta yeah, it does look a little bit like that. Right, also, what happens in... Bob's life, okay, listen up, sometimes in Bob's life, not only does he do things wrong, but sometimes things are done to him that aren't very nice, okay, so you know sometimes people do things to us that isn't very nice, and sometimes he gets hurt by other people, okay, and um, it's a little bit like, no, this is custard, okay, this is all the things that other people do to him that is a little bit, when he gets a little bit hurt yeah. by other people. Oh, I don't And then sometimes what happens to Bob is that he gets really disappointed in life. And <laughs> different disappointments. And I want you to imagine this is a bit like the disappointment that he gets in his life, okay? The gravy granules. In a minute. I haven't got a spoon, no. Well, I'm, I'm going to wait for a moment, okay. And also what happens, Bob gets disappointed. Sometimes in Bob's life, he gets lots of problems come along, okay. And tomato soup. I am an independent woman that needs some help. I can do it. That is... Come on, John. You're on show. Come on, John. Come on, John. We'll leave John with that for a moment. We'll get another one, okay? We'll we'll do the Ribena instead. So, I want you to imagine... This is like the problems that Bob suffers, okay? So, this is the problems that Bob suffers in his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said wow. <laughs> you said wow. I hate 
Okay, so we've got this one open. Should have done that before. Never work with children, dogs, or pasta sauces. Um, and so he's got some problems and he's like, this is like all the worries that come on Bob. So sometimes we get really worried in life. Bob gets really worried. And so this is like all the worries. This is disgusting. We're still going to eat it after. Um, and then finally, the last thing. A lot of these are out of date, don't worry. I think I'm going to get someone in the audience. Okay, this is the final one. Um, and this is when Bob sometimes gets really sad in life, okay? So sometimes things come along in his life and it's a bit sad. And this is the sadness. Oh, what is that? That's that? Now it looks like a pile of dirt. It's coffee. It's coffee, yeah. Now, what we've got there... Uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it all in, eh? Why not? There you go, look. What we've got there is Bob. Let's show up to everyone else. See? There's Bob. You can see Bob. You can see just at the bottom there, okay? You can see his feet. You can see his feet. That is Bob. Right. Okay. Now listen up. Are we listening? So Bob's in there. He's a little bit messy because he's done stuff a bit wrong. Things have happened to him. He's got a bit hurt and disappointment. He's got problems in his life. Lots of different things. But what I want us to think about is this, okay? Sometimes in life, we end up a little bit like Bob, that we get covered in stuff. Because we might do things wrong or because we get hurt, people say things to us and it's not very nice. We get a bit upset about things or a little bit disappointed. And um, the only way that I'm going to be able to get... Bob out of there is if I actually go in and get him out. Okay, so I'm just going to try and. I will put my hands in like the. There you go. Look, I found him. There he is. Now he's a little bit mucky, isn't he? He's a little bit mucky. I'm going to put him in the water. And bath him. Yeah, he was a bit disgusting. Right. <laughs> we won't be doing that. Right, listen. Here you go, look. There he is, look, clean. Woohoo! He's all clean again. Now, no, he's watery. Well, he's a bit watery. But he's clean because I've put him in the water and I've washed him and I've made him clean again. And you know what? Easter, we celebrate Easter because of this. We celebrate that Jesus died and rose to life again. Oh, yeah. What that means is this that God. I'll leave it for now. God can come and kind of wash us and make us good again because God comes down, okay? God comes down and rescues us. All right, Nathan? God comes down and rescues us. A little bit like I rescued Bob out of the mess. God comes. He needs this. This is what he needs. He needs cleaning up like this. And God can do the same with us. That's what the cross is about. It's a demonstration of love. Make sure you don't break him. I don't think I can break him. I think he's pretty Why solid. Just in case I needed those because I didn't know how mucky Bob was going to be and I thought, oh, I might need those for my hands, but I'm all right, okay? There he is. He's all clean. And what I want you to remember is this, that Jesus is love and he will come and help us, all right? He'll come and... Is it done? He'll come and help us as well and rescue us from all these things. Um, I'm going to leave him out for now. Should we leave him out? Yeah. Yeah, let's leave him out. Right, guys, you've listened really, really well. You can go back to your colourings. We're going to sing another song. Um, I'm going to clear up this mess, and um, I'm going to leave Bob there. You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church. Father God, we thank you for blessing us in this way that we could give back to you. And Lord, I pray right now as we come around your word and come around your scriptures, Lord, that you just open them up to our hearts and to our minds and that we would hear you speaking to our lives we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take your seat. Um, just bear with us for just a moment whilst I uh, move these. Thank you very much. Ooh. If anybody would like to come and taste the delights afterwards please feel free. Most of it's out of date. <laughs> State of my cupboard. Yeah, it's fine. Thank you. Right, okay, whilst I speak because 
um, I do understand that I'm not always the most scintillating. There is um, activities at the back for the children. Um, you've got a range of activities that you can do. I quickly made a crown, so yours can probably be better than mine, okay? Um, just to represent the fact that we are celebrating King Jesus this morning and with us. So do make one of yourselves. There's Play-Doh to be had and all sorts of things there. So please go and enjoy yourselves at the back there. Okay, brilliant stuff. Okay, if I could just thank you, that's great, lovely stuff. So it's Easter, and um, I want to speak today just briefly on the greatest announcement ever to be made, the greatest announcement that we'll ever hear. But I thought I'd start with some different types of announcements, okay? Because we have church notices quite often, and we have church notices outside in the car park and different churches have different things and sometimes you can just have a church notice that goes a little bit wrong there's a spelling mistake or there's a grammar error or there's something like that and I was looking at these and I thought they were quite amusing so I thought I'd share them with you today so let's have a look at some of these church notice board announcements that have gone a little bit wrong first of all don't let worry kill you let the church help Thursday night, potluck supper, pray and medication to follow. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Interesting. This is appropriate, this next one. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. (laughs) A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall, music will follow. Not sure what that was like after hours, but never mind. <laughs> Sorry, there's quite a few because I just found them quite amusing. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Nothing to mention about our worship team at all, folks. Not at all. Let's have a little look at this one. A song fest was held at the Methodist Church on Wednesday. Evening massage at 6pm. Not sure I'm going to give that, but there you go. The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. It's <laughs> <laughs> a classic one, isn't it? It's a good one. It's a nice one. Okay. This evening at 7pm, there will be a hymn sing in the park across from the church. Bring a blanket and come prepared to sin. <laughs> sure that's appropriate at all, is it? The senior choir invites any member of the congregation who enjoys sinning to join the choir. Good stuff. Join us tonight for prayers, coffee and fresh beagles. Actually, funnily on that one, there was brackets and because that had been done like that, somebody brought cookie beagle-shaped cookies to the evening. I just read it on the thing. Um, And finally, no good or drink is allowed in the church. Good stuff. Funny um, church notices and announcements. Let's hope um, we don't have any of those. Um, But of course we have lots of announcements in church, but not just in church, in life in general, we have lots of announcements given to us. Um, Some are great, some are not so great. There's nothing quite like hearing a really special announcement though, is there? something that you've been waiting for, some bit of good news that you've been on the edge of your seat to hear. Perhaps some uh, baby's been born or the test results were positive. You've passed your exams, you've got the job. Announcements like that are great to receive. And sometimes there's announcements that come out of the blue. Perhaps you weren't expecting it, but somebody announces they're getting married or you've won the lottery. Okay, but that would be a nice one. I don't know what it would have been like back all those thousands of years ago in Jerusalem on Easter Day. I'm guessing the announcement that Jesus had risen would have been pretty amazing to hear. Our young people did a great job at showing us the Easter story. Um, But when the disciples heard that he was risen, they must have just been just so excited and so amazed. Jesus had constantly been saying to them about it, but they didn't grasp it. The Old Testament had foretold about Jesus and Jesus rising, but they hadn't quite got it. So it probably came a little bit out of the blue to them. 
Firstly for the women who went to the tomb, then the male disciples, and then the wider masses. And of course, this is the greatest announcement ever. He's not here, for he has risen. He's not here, for he has risen in Matthew 28. I think if I had been there, it would have been quite exciting. The greatest announcement. Maybe just slightly after that announcement at an all-you-can-eat buffet. I don't know, I think it just comes out under just that. <laughs> that idea that Jesus has risen. But why? Why is this the greatest ever announcement? And why should we be so pleased this morning to come and celebrate this? What does it mean for us, the resurrection? Well, let's briefly just have a quick look at some different things. I could go in this morning in depth about the historical facts about the resurrection. I could go into depth about why actually it's really plausible to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Because actually sometimes, you know, well, if someone said to you they've risen from the dead, you'd be a bit like, oh, that's a bit... It doesn't really go with our logic, does it? So I could go down that route and say there's loads of different reasons why we should believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But I'm not going to go down that route today. I want to instead just look at what the cross means, the significance of it for our lives. First of all, what does the cross mean? It means this. It means victory over sin and death. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says um, this. Jesus died for our sins. The cross, the death and resurrection, was far more than just an event. It wasn't just an event. It wasn't just a physical event, but it had absolute significant meaning. It meant something for us. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Alistair McGrath says this, that Christ died is just a simple matter of history. That that happened is just a matter of history. That Christ died for our sins is the very gospel itself. You know, in a world where death is inevitable, in a world where actually we don't talk about that that often, in a world where we can fear death, we can fear the end, what the resurrection means is actually we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave. That's amazing that Jesus was victorious. Jesus was victorious over sin and over death. And Jesus enables us to die in hope. There's a hope. You know, the end of life is scary. We don't want to leave this world. We don't want to leave loved ones. But when you know the cross and you know the resurrection, you know that it's not the end, that there's more to come, that there's an eternity. And that's what, a death, uh, that's what the resurrection gives us, that hope. We don't have to be afraid. John 11 says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What a great promise. What a hope. So the cross means this. It means victory over sin and death. But it means something else. It means salvation and it means forgiveness. Now, I must have been about eight years old and my sister must have been about ten years old, okay? And um, my sister was the baker of the family. I'm not really a baker or a cook, okay? But my sister really loved baking. And um, it was a rainy afternoon and she had decided to make the family a chocolate cake, okay? Brilliant. Love it. I love chocolate cake. And um, I was told to stay out of the kitchen, all right? I was told to stay out of the kitchen for my own good. What that meant. But anyway, um, so she's making this chocolate cake. Now, I couldn't help myself because I was eight, all right? And I couldn't help myself. So I looked into the kitchen, I took a little sneaky peek and I saw this big glass bowl full of chocolate cake mix. Now, I know you shouldn't eat it before it's cooked, but it is delicious, isn't it? When you eat it and it's not cooked yet. So I saw this bowl. It was like Mecca. It was like ushering me, calling me in to just go and have a little taste. One little taste wouldn't harm, would it? Just one little taste. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, perhaps actually it could do with just one more little stir. So when backs were turned, I took my chance. I went into the kitchen and I reached up to the bowl. I took a little taste, just one tiny, teeny, tiny.
tiny little taste. And I just had one little stir, and that was it. Within seconds, there was chocolate mix and glass everywhere. I mean everywhere. Now, now I know why I was told to stay out of the kitchen. But I couldn't pretend it wasn't me. I couldn't go anywhere with that, could I? I was stood there, chocolate everywhere, glass everywhere. I couldn't, you know, we didn't have a dog to blame. And I blamed my invisible friend far too often. They weren't going to buy that one. Um, so I had to take the blame. I felt awful. I felt so bad. And I rushed upstairs. I remember rushing upstairs. And I put my duvet over me. And I was sobbing my heart out. And I felt so guilty um, at what I had done. Especially when I'd been told not to. Now, I have, I've chosen to tell you the least guilty I've ever felt. This is not a pastor's confessional time. But anyway, we do stuff in life, don't we? we make mistakes, we do stuff we shouldn't do and we can mess up and we fail and there's a consequence. The consequence is guilt but also there can be other consequences. There wasn't any chocolate cake that day. And we can carry that around with us. And I was talking about this on Good Friday, how we can carry that guilt around with us or we can carry our sin and our shame and, and it's like a burden on us. And actually, what the cross does is it shows us that there is salvation and there is forgiveness. We don't have to carry that guilt and we don't have to have that burden of shame upon us because Jesus came to remove all of that from our lives. Just like with Bob in the bowl, covered in stuff. Um, God will come and clean us up and make us good. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but he came to save us. He came to give us life and life to the full. For I will be merciful to you, it says in Hebrews, and I will remember your sin no more. I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. Everyone is a new creation. Just different Bible verses. But that's what the cross is. The cross is salvation. The cross is forgiveness. And we don't have to carry that round with us anymore. It's victory over sin and death. It's forgiveness. It's also a massive demonstration of the love that God has for each and every one of us. Jesus went to the cross so that we might live and have life to the fullest. In the passage in 1 John 4, it tells us that God is love itself. Not that God is just loving, but God really is love itself. And God does something to demonstrate this to us, that he sends his son Jesus to go to the cross for us. Jesus makes a way to bring us back to God, to bring us back to that right relationship. And our failures and our mess-ups can get in the way, but they don't have to because of Jesus' death. It means he takes our mess-ups, he takes our failures, they're nailed to the cross. And this is a great symbolism, a great act of forgiveness for us. But it's a great demonstration of this love. You know, there might be times in our lives when we don't feel that loved or we don't feel that cared for, or we feel like we've been abandoned or we've been hurt or forgotten, just like Bob in the bowl, where things had happened in his life that had hurt him, that had disappointed him, that had made him sad. There are times in our life when we feel like that. But the cross shows a different story. It shows one of love. It shows one of God who gave his absolute everything just so that he could be in that relationship with us, just so that he could love us in that way. Unconditional love. God really does care for each and every one of us. Whatever's going on in our life, we are not forgotten, we are not overlooked, and the cross demonstrates that. Finally, what does the cross show? What does this statement, he is not here, for he has risen mean? It means this, it means a restoration, it means a healing, it means a renewal. You know, we live in a very broken world with things going on around us. I was praying this morning just for that unfolding events in Sri Lanka but there is so much stuff out there we live in a broken world and we look out and we think how can ever, things ever get fixed and we look at our own lives and sometimes think it's so broken how can things get fixed we feel like we've taken a bit of a battering or a bit of a weathering from the storms of life and we have hurts but what the cross does is this what the resurrection does is this it shows us that there's a God who wants to heal us and to restore us and to renew us the cross brings that restoration. Jesus is a healer 
and he's a restorer and he's a binder of our wounds. And this is really the greatest announcement. He's not here, for he has risen and he is risen indeed. Because the cross, the death, the resurrection of Jesus means this, that there is victory over sin and death. We don't need to fear death. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave. There is salvation and forgiveness for each and every one of us. We live in freedom. There is this great demonstration of the commitment of God to our lives, that he loves us without conditions. He couldn't love you any more and he couldn't love you any less, but he loves you. And it means that we are healed and restored and we are put back together. So I definitely think that this is the greatest announcement ever. Amen? I want to invite the worship group to come back. We're going to sing a final song before we have some tea and coffee together and celebrate on this great day. But you know what? Easter is so important and so special. And we really need to think about this message of the cross. We really need to think about what it means to our lives and about what Jesus is. And like I said, you know, I could have gone down the route and given us lots of historical facts and reasons why we should believe, but actually, I think just allowing Jesus to show us is more than any historical evidence I could put forward. Let us stand together. Father God, we thank you for the cross and the resurrection. We thank you that today, on this Easter day, we can celebrate that you have victory over sin and death. We do not need to be afraid when we put our hope and our trust in you. Lord, we thank you that we have salvation, that we are saved and rescued by you, that we are forgiven by you. Everything that we've done, all the mess-ups of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, they're already taken care of because you forgive us. We thank you that you love us and you're committed to us. And we thank you, God, that you heal and you restore us and you renew us. Where would we be, God, without your cross and resurrection? We thank you that you have risen. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.